The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. many Christians today who proclaim themselves as Christians, who confess that they are Christians, but who are in fact not Christian. It's very evident that they are not Christian by the attitudes they carry, anger, bitterness, harshness, It's very clear that they are not Christians by the things they enjoy of the world, the ease they have in mixing with darkness, as well as the love of darkness. It becomes very clear that these so-called Christians have never truly been converted They are mere professors of religion. They are enemies of God. A person who has not known by his own experience that he is an enemy of God has not been converted, has not even been convicted. And some of you who listen to this broadcast would deny that you are an enemy of God, and you would deny that you have ever been an enemy of God, and by your denial, demonstrate that you are still an enemy of God. Now, what have you repented of? Well, pastor, I've repented of of lying or of cheating. I've repented of quite a number of things. That does not make you a Christian. That fountain of wickedness in the inner soul, that's what has to be dealt with. Yes, it's important to repent and confess lying or cheating or immorality, sexual uncleanness. All of those things are vital to repent of. But if the repentance stops there, it's flesh-pleasing. If you've simply repented for being an alcoholic, if you've merely repented for getting angry at your wife or your children, if you've repented merely for the outward sins, then you are still not a Christian. A Christian must deal with that fountain of iniquity from which all of these sins flow. A man is not a Christian because he confesses his outward sin. Even pagans will do that. And if you deny today that you are an enemy of God and yet you walk in sin, 
you probably will have a very difficult time ever being converted and ever truly becoming a follower of Jesus Christ. When you deny your enmity with God and yet walk as a sinner before God, claiming the shed blood of Jesus to cover up your sins, and yet you acknowledge that you still sin, you deny the enmity against God from which these sins flow. While you do this, God will never forgive you for your sins. God does not forgive outward sins and leave the soul unchanged. 1 John tells us that he will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all impurities. That's an inward work of cleansing and changing. It is conversion. It is being born from above. Sinners find it very difficult to admit their anger against God. And yet we must deal honestly with this anger at God. Sinners must either be converted or forever lost. With a mind that is filled with enmity against God, it is impossible that a person should be happy. Sinners are not almost Christians. I hear people say that someone is almost a Christian, or I hear people say, I am a Christian, but I continue to walk in sin in these very specific areas. The truth is that person who refuses the inner work of the Holy Spirit is nearer to the devil than to God. My brother, my sister, We must take very seriously the word of God in Romans, the eighth chapter, when it says, Romans 8, verse 5, those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. So if if you rebuild what you destroyed, Galatians, the first chapter and the second chapter, if you rebuild what you destroyed by a one-time initial giving of your heart to Jesus Christ, are you still saved? The scriptures are clear, you are not. Jesus is not the minister of sin. He is the minister of righteousness. 
It is the heart of God to change you into the likeness of Jesus, Christ in you, the hope of glory. We have found acceptable this exceedingly cheap Christian faith in America where we continue to live in our flesh with the lust of our heart, with the pride of life, with arrogance, with ambition. We've continued to live in this, and yet because we have made some outward changes in our lives, and our vocabulary is that we love Jesus, but yet walk in darkness, we have utterly deceived ourselves. And there must be a calling forth of the people of God to recognize that enmity in your heart against God separates you from God and will cause you to be lost for eternity. The word says, those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. It doesn't matter what your words are. It matters what your actions are. It matters whether you have the victory over the flesh, the world, and the devil. And if you don't have that victory in Jesus Christ by the power of the blood, you have not yet been converted. And you must be converted and changed and born from above if you are going to be saved. What is it you think you are going to be saved from? Yes, it would be correct to say I'm going to be saved from death. But isn't sin death? Aren't the wages of sin death? The wages of sin will take you to hell unless you are converted, changed, born from above, crucified with Christ. If these things have not happened in your heart and you're still walking in your flesh, calling yourself a Christian, you must honestly face the fact If you are to be saved, you must be transformed into the likeness of Jesus. Chapter 8, verse 6, the mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. And some of you have said to me, Pastor, I have tried as hard as I can, and I just can't overcome this sin. The reason you cannot overcome that sin is that you are attempting to do that in the power of your flesh. You are attempting to do that in your own might. There is no sin you cannot overcome if you will die to self and allow Jesus to come in and be everything for you. If you will allow yourself to be changed into his likeness, he will do it for you. The work of salvation is 100% by faith, not by works. Jesus wants to impart to you his righteousness. 
He is not interested in imputing to you righteousness. There are some who would argue that imputation is the very basis of salvation. I would argue from the word that imputation is a fact, it is a fictional lie. The work of Christ is to transform a person into a new being, a new person, a transformational experience where no longer is there any sinning against God. We walk clean by the power of the blood. But this requires a total conversion, a total change. A partway deal won't work where we deal with the outward manifestations of our sin, but we refuse the inner work of the Spirit. He says, the mind of sinful man, this is Romans, the 8th chapter, verse 6, the mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. If you are walking in sin today, you are hostile, you are an enemy of God. And it will require a crucifixion of your heart and your soul. It will require a total casting out of all selfishness, all self-centeredness. It will require a conversion, being born from above. Many of you have said, So one dear woman said to me, I said, my dear sister, I see the bitterness and the anger that flows from your heart against your daughter. I see the bitterness and the anger that flows against the men in your life. I see the anger that flows against your boss, my sister. With pleading, I said to her, My sister, you cannot walk with that kind of sin in your heart and not be an enemy of God. And she became irate with me. She said, Pastor, don't ask me to reconsider my salvation. I am saved. I am on my way to heaven. And you're never going to convince me that I am not fully saved and sanctified and made holy by God. I said, my sister, those are just words. I'm looking at your actions. She was so offended, she left the National Prayer Chapel. She wanted nothing to do with this kind of honest confrontation. I pray she is listening to the broadcast today. You see, if we continue to walk in sin against the Almighty, we are enemies of God. And peace is only made with God by a total surrender and consecration. And this is much deeper and much, much further than anything the modern church in America has even begun to imagine. You're listening to Pastor Ray Greenley. I'm from the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. This is Pilgrim's Progress. And I'm saying to you very bluntly today that you will not make progress on the narrow road on the journey to heaven so long as you continue to walk 
in the arrogance of sin against the Most High. When you have enmity in your heart against God because you walk in your sin, you cannot be saved. There must be a total change of heart. That's why Jesus came preaching repentance. That's what Matthew says. Jesus came preaching repentance. Well, what is repentance? Recognizing where I am sinning against God, where I am breaking the law. You see, the law is not unholy. It's not unrighteous. It's we who are unholy and unrighteous because of the rebellion of our hearts. And the Lord God of heaven calls for us to lay down the rebellion. He calls for us to lay down the bitterness and the anger, to lay down the sexual uncleanness, to lay down the lust for the entertainment of the world. He calls us out of the world meaning we no longer gain nurturance or sustenance from the wicked things or the wicked conversations or the wicked entertainment of our day. We live in a day of of total immorality. The way men and women dress reflects a total lack of morality a lack of understanding of their condition or their place before God. There must be a conversion. Romans 8, verse 7, The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. Countless numbers of so-called Christians go to church every Saturday and every Sunday. They go to the Mass. They go through all of the rituals of the church. They say the Lord's Prayer. But they are not converted. They are on the road to hell because they continue to walk without the fountain of the heart being broken and changed and transformed into the likeness of Jesus. Now, I'm not trying to please man today. I'm trying to speak to you very honestly about the foundational issues of the human heart that create enmity with God that do not submit to God, nor do they understand the will of God. And I recognize that some of you today claim to be Christians because you have repented of a few outward sins, but you're still filled with all of the darkness of this world. A man this week that I spoke with I urged him to be utterly consecrated to Jesus. And he was frankly offended. He immediately began to say to me, 
But, Pastor, I give to the poor. I try to be the best person I can be. And he was in church that last Sunday. He's endeavoring with with energy to become a better person, to be a better husband to his wife, to be a better person in his business, to give to the poor. Frankly, he's made a lot of progress in self-improvement. Does that mean he's saved? Absolutely no. He is still filled with pride of his heart. He is still filled with his own self-esteem. He's still driven by his own desire to make money. He is still driven by the lust of his heart. He's not even a Christian. Even though he goes to church every Sunday and gives to the poor and gives tithes and offerings and does many of the outward things that we would associate with a Christian, he is not a Christian. He is not even half converted. Because in his heart, he is still angry with God. He is still at enmity with God because he still loves his sin. It broke my heart. And I stood with him and spoke with him lovingly and kindly about what it means to be consecrated of heart, of what it means to give up his life and allow Jesus Christ full sway and full power to create in him the likeness of Jesus. And he was offended and finally broke off the conversation. Romans, the 8th chapter, verse 9. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit of... If this, but controlled by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. You don't belong to Christ by outward activity. You belong to Christ by a total breaking and consecration of your heart, a total giving up of your selfishness, a total giving up of your life into the hands of Jesus, being crucified with Christ. That's what it means. So that the thought of your heart, the meditation of your heart, the cry of your heart is for Jesus and his way and his will And the outward life begins to manifest itself in glorious renewal, in change. You no longer love the things of darkness. You you now hate your sin. You now desire only to be with Jesus. He becomes everything for you. It says, and if you... And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. This word righteousness, dikasune, means literally to be made righteous. It means to be innocent. 
Are you innocent today? Or do you have enmity with God because your sin stands before you? And I don't need to tell you what your sin is. I speak with so many people and I say to them, are you clean before God? 99.9 people will say, no, pastor, I'm not. I still have areas of sin in my life. I'm working on it. I spoke to a woman this last week. I said, are you still involved with that man you were you were with a year ago? I hadn't seen her for a year. She said, yes, I am. I said, are you living clean with him? Are you morally clean? She said, no, I'm not. I said, when are you going to get right with Jesus? Well, I'm trying to be a Christian. I said, is he a Christian? No, he's not. But I love him. And I'm hoping he will He will grow up and become a man. I said, my dear sister, I asked you these same questions a year ago, and you answered me in the same way. Isn't it time for you to get clean with Jesus? Isn't it time for you to give up this man in your life? Well, but pastor, what if I don't have any man? I said, you only need one man. His name is Jesus. You don't need this man, this pagan man that you're unclean with. You are an enemy of God. You need to be converted. You need to be born again. She was not prepared to do that. And I walked away in sorrow. Do you understand? I'm not going to be politically correct. Your salvation hangs in the balance. I'm not going to play games. I'm not going to say, there, there, now you're okay. Just keep going. Keep doing what you're doing. Are you kidding me? How can I as a pastor say to you, yes, you're walking in sin, but be of good courage. Jesus loves you. Well, the question is not whether Jesus loves you. The question is, do you love Jesus? Have you been saying for a year, I'm working on this sin, and you're still walking in it? Are you still walking in your lust of heart? Are you still walking in your alcohol? Are you still walking in your your bitterness of heart and your anger? Are you still walking in the lust after money? Are you still walking in? self-righteous before God, an enemy of Jesus? Or have you died and been converted, been changed into the likeness of Jesus? Is your heart now at peace? Does Jesus dwell in your spirit? Romans 8, verse 13. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. It's that simple. 
Many of you today are living according to the sinful nature. And you will die. And I come day by day on this broadcast pleading with you, turn to Jesus. Give up your false hope. Give up your enmity against God. Give up the lust of your heart. Turn to Jesus and allow him the freedom to come in and totally transform you into his likeness. What shall I say? I'm going to open the phone line today. If you'd like to call, I'd be happy to pray with you. If the Spirit of God is convicting your heart, and you're at a place where you're finally willing to say, okay, pastor, you're right. Or if you want to call and report the glorious victory, that you've been transformed into the likeness of Jesus and you no longer lust after the things of the flesh or the world or the devil, call and bear testimony. Our phone number here in studio is 877-534-0780. Again, that number, 877 534 0780. I've tried not to emotionalize this. It's a cold blooded decision. Will you turn from your sin and allow Jesus to utterly break its power over your life? Will you turn and be converted? Will you allow Jesus to change your heart? To set you free? 877-534-0780. You're listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. I'm here to pray with you. If you would like prayer today for your spiritual condition, call right now. I also would like to invite you to go to our webpage. It's under Total Reconstruction. It loads very quickly now. Go to nationalprayerchapel.com. There you'll find today's video, and you'll find both videos and podcasts from the past. That's nationalprayerchapel.com. We're also moving quickly now through the month of November. We are still short for November for radio about $3,000. I'm trusting that in the next two weeks, many of you will step forward and say, Pastor, this word is essential to God's people. I'm going to stand with you and I'm going to give to help pay for this. I don't offer books or tapes or magazines or other things that would be out of a selfish nature. I simply do what 
Christians have done for many years. I pass the offering plate and say, please, if God is prompting you, give generously. And we'll cover the month of November. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Good. Linda is on the line, and I'm happy to pray with you, Linda. What would you like to share? I would like prayer um, to be strengthened, to be able to step over my emotions. Um, what is taking place at this point in, in my walk with the Lord is that um, I, I get a lot of offenses. Um, they're not deserved, and I hurt in the inside uh, when I'm offended, and, and, and I feel angry. And um, I, I uh, stew about it, and uh, it hinders me. Um, I know the Bible says to let brotherly love continue, and I want to be able to do that. Um, I, I don't want to be uh, hindered by my emotions. I want to continue to love people and be able to forgive quickly and um, be able to be effectively used by the Lord. But it seems like um, these emotions flare up, you know, the, of anger and and hurt. And um, and I have to struggle with them to get them down in order to continue um, being used to the Lord to reach out to people. So that's for him. Linda, two things I want to say to you, and then let's pray. One, emotions are not right or wrong. <clears throat> emotions just are. It's what we do with the emotions that shapes what happens to us inside. And no one has the power to make your emotions go anywhere. No one can make you angry. No one can hurt you. You take those things and hurt yourself. So I'm going to pray first that Jesus will give you complete authority to respond as he would call you and not by your emotions. Emotions aren't wrong. They're just there. We all have them. But it's what we do with them that makes the difference. And then secondly, it calls for a much deeper death in your life, a dying out to these things, so that it no longer matters what anybody thinks about you. You represent Jesus Christ. And you're so full of his power and his presence that people can say whatever they want, but you know your heart is hidden in Jesus. Okay? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for Linda today. And I thank you that Linda has a tender heart. But, Lord, it's often wounded by the barbs and the arrows that others fling at her. So, Lord, I'm asking in the name of Jesus for that deeper death in her heart and in her life. I'm asking you to put a wall of protection around her, to guard her in the name of Jesus, 
And I ask, Lord, that as she enters into a much deeper place of death in you, that the resurrection will also be there so that she will not consider her feelings, but will only consider yours, Jesus. I ask you, Lord Jesus, would you set Linda free to be the testimony and witness that you have called her to be of your love and of your grace. Lord, I pray that you will give her the strength, the inner strength, to no longer bow to her emotions, that her life would not be controlled by emotions, but would rather be controlled by your Holy Spirit as she is grounded deeply into you, Jesus. Lord, call her to read the Word. Call her to the prayer closet. Lord, call her to give up every part of her heart to you so that no part of her heart will be able to wound her any longer, for she will be hidden in you and in your love. Lord, thank you for Linda. Thank you for her love for you and for the tenderness of her heart. Would you encourage her today and breathe your spirit into her? I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Linda, God bless you today. And the Lord bless you too. Thank you. Please stay in touch. Call back and let me know what happens as you begin to go deeper into Jesus with both the prayer closet and pray out loud in the prayer closet, Linda. Don't whisper. Don't be silent. But but cry loud in the prayer closet. And as you read the word. All right? Okay. Yes. Okay. God bless you. you. You're welcome. Bye. Our phone number is 877-534-0780. If you need to have prayer today, please call. I'm, I'm here for you. The reason I come to do this broadcast is for you. I want you to be fully in Christ, changed into his likeness, restored, having the enemy, no power over your life. I don't want you to be called a Christian. I want you to be a Christian. 877-534-0780. Now, as I look today at, at this whole question of being a Christian. Verse 15 of chapter 8 says, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. This fear is one of the ways that Satan comes and threatens God's people. And where there is fear, there is a lack of love. And the only way you can move through this is by confession in the prayer closet when you lay on your face and you cry aloud to Jesus. And I have to quickly confess to you today, most of my life was controlled by fear. Fear of what others would think. Being a pleaser. And the Lord finally said to me a number of years ago, 
I'm going to make you now into a threshing sledge with new and sharp teeth. And I confess today and testify that he took people-pleasing out of my heart and gave me instead a spirit to please Jesus alone. I have great compassion for people who have a heart filled with terror, with fear. I know what it's like to barely be able to breathe because the terror of my heart was so great. Fear of God, fear of people, just fear. And in the name of Jesus, I cast it off. And I claimed his peace, and I claimed his blood, and he transformed me and changed me so that I no longer walk in fear. I walk in peace and harmony with the Holy Spirit. You can too. But it requires you spend the time in Scripture, reading it, praying out loud. Most silent prayers are not very effective. Jesus was heard because he prayed with loud cries and tears and then humbly submitted to the will of God. He grew up. He learned obedience this way. The same is true for us. Verse 15, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. Men and women both receive the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now let's be very clear. All spirits have to be tested. If we are walking in sin and yet a spirit testifies that we are sons of God, know that that's a false spirit. If we're walking in sin, we are an enemy of God. The sons of God, the daughters of God, do not walk in sin. They have been changed. They have been transformed. They have been made into new creatures. Now, I want this week to once more go into the life story of Saul, the first king of Israel, because Saul was transformed by the presence of God. But then we begin to see indications that he is going back and recreating what he destroyed by the Spirit. This is the great sin of God's people. Having an experience of conversion, then going back and rebuilding what was destroyed, and end up like King Saul sitting at the table of a witch and eating from a witch's table. Now Saul rescues the city of Jabesh. But here we find the first indicator of what's happening in his heart. He rescues the city in a spirit of anger. 
he threatens the people of God. As soon as you are being threatened by someone, you know that person is not of the Spirit of God. God does not drive his sheep. He leads his sheep. And his sheep know his voice, and they follow a shepherd or an under-shepherd that calls them to come and follow into the kingdom of Jesus Christ and be transformed. Now we find the next indicator of what is actually going to happen with this kingship, with King Saul. When he's asked by Samuel to wait for him for seven days, and then Samuel said, I will offer the peace offerings. Now, Jonathan attacks, that is, the son of Saul, attacks the Philistine outpost at Geba. As the Philistines hear about this, they go to war with Israel, because now they hear there is a king in Israel, and they will not allow that. So word goes out from Saul to the children of Israel saying, I've attacked the Philistines. Come and help me in this battle. The Philistines assemble to fight Israel with 3,000 chariots and 6,000 charioteers and soldiers as numerous as the sand of the seashore. They may have had a million men in their army. And these chariots are like tanks. They are the epitome of modern warfare in that day. And the men of Israel see this great army coming against them in the flesh. They see that their situation is critical. They see that they are hard-pressed. And so they begin to flee. They begin to hide in caves and thickets among the rocks because they believe the Philistines are going to come in all their power and sweep across Israel and wipe out their new king and once more take them utterly captive. Some flee from the land of Israel. Now King Saul remains with his few troops, and they are quaking in fear. He waited the seven days for the prophet Samuel to come. But Samuel was late and Saul's men begin to scatter. He ends up with only 300 men against thousands, perhaps a million. And he finally says, bring me the burnt offerings and the fellowship offerings. And so King Saul offers up the burnt offerings. This is the work of the priest. This is the work not of the king. There is a separation between the priesthood, the prophets, and the kingship. He finishes making the offerings, and Samuel arrives, and Saul goes out to greet him as though everything is okay. And Samuel says, What have you done? And Saul replies, when I saw that the men were scattering and that you did not come at the set time. In other words, it's your fault. 
He won't take responsibility. He says, it's your fault, Samuel. And the Philistines are assembling. The word says, Saul said, I thought. Now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal, and I have not sought the Lord's favor, so I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. So we see very quickly that this man who has been transformed by the Holy Spirit, who has laid on his face before God, this man who's been blessed with the kingship, has never truly been converted. He still walks in the power of his flesh. He fears the flesh. He fears the army of the Philistines. He doesn't understand that he must believe, that he must stand, that he must obey the word of the God of heaven to him. Some of you today claim to be Christians, but you're still walking in your sin. You've become an enemy of God. You do what you think you have to do to survive. You have no confidence in the power and the presence of Jesus. You've never seen a miracle happen. You've never prayed and had your prayer answered. Or if you have, it was in the past and you no longer pray and believe. You no longer need God because you can handle it with your credit card or go to family or go to someone but not to God. Samuel says, you acted foolishly. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you would have, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. Some of you have not kept the Lord's command. You walk in the flesh. You call yourself a Christian, but you still walk in your sin. You've compromised with darkness. You've been controlled by your fear. And you're in trouble. You can do all manner of things to try to prove in the outward world that you are acceptable before God, but you know in your heart whether you have walked in disobedience to God. And haven't we all walked in disobedience to God? Haven't we all been in this place of Saul, walking in fear and thinking we have to do this and do that and rescue ourselves. We call ourselves Christians so cheaply. We have just a few minutes left in this broadcast today. I just want to say in conclusion that there is a place so deep in the heart of Jesus that he's calling us to. There is a place of peace and life and joy in the spirit that the American church has never even begun to imagine exists. If you're willing 
to repent before Jesus for your anger, for your hurt, for your bitterness. If you're willing to seek him in the prayer closet, if you're willing to admit your sin and confess it openly before him, he will come. He loves you. He desires that no man should be lost, no woman should be lost, no boy or girl should be lost. He loves you. Lord, I pray today for your people. I pray for the pouring out of your Holy Spirit to bring deep, heartbroken confession, repentance, consecration. I ask, Lord, that you would call your people to read the scriptures and to pray. I ask that you would reveal the true condition of each person's heart to them, that anger would be gone and enmity against you would be removed by the precious blood of Jesus. Lord, thank you for your kindness. I pray in your holy name. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. We'll talk more tomorrow about this journey to heaven. God bless you. I love you, my brother, my sister. I'll talk to you soon. Falling and to present you blameless Before the presence of his glory with great joy